Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 78. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday, Steelers Nation. 48 hours removed from the end of the Pittsburgh Steelers season, the wild card loss to the Buffalo Bills. Dave, yesterday, that'd be what, Tuesday, we had our podcast to react to the game. Still have more reaction today. It was Locker room cleanout day for Pittsburgh on Tuesday as they had kind of final interviews with the media, final thoughts as they cleaned out their lockers and uh, getting ready for a long off season. So, Dave, how you doing? Doing good. It didn't take us long to get the uh, find out what's going to happen with Mike Tomlin uh, uh, at this point, at least uh, you know according to reports that that came out yesterday. Yeah, it's kind of the finality of things and. Uh, look, I mean, yesterday I even went to, uh, getting work done on setting up, uh, uh, the Excel, you know, information sheets on the senior bowl and the shrine, uh, shrine game prospects and, uh, getting preliminary, uh, stuff set up for, uh, to, to, to post and talk about the salary cap situation of the team. So yeah, a bit of a fi- f- finality about it. And, uh, I uh, was able to dive a little bit into the all 22 tape from the game against the bills. We'll talk a little bit about that later on in this show, but, uh, uh, the off season, is underway and and it's just how quick you have to transition on this and they probably said goodbye to a lot of uh or players had to say goodbye to a lot of teammates that you know that that you know several stated that locker room is going to look a lot different Mm -hmm. uh uh uh, next season as it does every year you get a good probably third at least a third probably bottom third of churn of a roster and you know that's going to happen once again with uh with the Steelers one area where there will not be any churn, at least we do not expect this, is at head coach. There's been the speculation that we talked about that's run rampant over the last several weeks on Mike Tomlin's future. Could he walk away? Could he take a sabbatical, go somewhere else? But according to multiple uh, multiple reports, uh, yesterday there was a team meeting held Tuesday afternoon in which Mike Tomlin said the speculation and rumors of him looking to leave are unfounded and he plans to coach in 2024. I assume that'll be A-OK with Art Rooney, and so that'll mean Mike Tomlin will coach in 2024. Still no extension, you know, what that looks like. I think it's probably likely to happen at some point this offseason, but point is, full expectation now Mike Tomlin will be coaching the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2024. Yeah, that that pretty much, I mean, look, his, his mind was already made up, uh, I, I would assume, and that's probably now further explains his his reaction at the end of his press conference. Uh, uh, after the game and, you know, kind of, as we talked in, in yesterday's show, that was more of probably, he, he, he probably treated that as the wrong place, wrong time, uh, uh, type of question that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can't believe that, you know, even though all the, all the stuff on the outside was going, uh, going around with all the, you know, insiders speculating this and speculating that, uh, he and his heart of hearts probably knew what was going to happen and, uh, didn't want to really give it any credence, but here we, you know, it didn't even take, you know, 
well, I guess it maybe was around 24 hours or so. No, I, it happened earlier in the afternoon there, but uh, less than 24 hours uh, after the season ends, we find out that really is it news because nothing changes? I mean, the guy is already under contract. Sure. So, uh, but you know, it, m- more confirmation that he's going to be the head coach in 2024 and you know, all, all signs really at, at, at this point. And, you know, I think several people have, 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 have tweeted out that, you know, like who was it Florio and even though Florio was in the center of a lot of this speculatory reports, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, they, they expect an extension to happen. So now we sit and wait for that. Uh, I would think, uh, Art Rooney, uh, the second will speak by the end of the month. That usually happens before the, uh, the senior bowl and probably, uh, I would think by Thursday or Friday, Mike Tomlin will meet the media again for his wrap-up press conference. But long, long story short, Mike Tomlin is going to be this head coach, be the head coach of this team mm-hmm. in 2024. Yeah, if you look at the past three years, Mike Tomlin's had his year-end presser between one and three days after the season ended. Typically, there's an extra day or two, so it's two or three days after the postseason loss. I think after last year, I think he had it the day after with the regular season, uh, concluding Pittsburgh's year and there was no obviously playoff appearance so yeah I mean with Mike Tomlin coming back not a big surprise you know you weren't sure on the reporting especially when it comes from people like Adam Schefter and Jake Laser. it was all you know just kind of in hushed tones and more vague phrasing but you just didn't know for sure what Tomlin's thoughts were but now it seems like we do of course he can I'm sure he'll be asked about this again and maybe address things head on himself in his opening statement with the media whenever he speaks here likely before the weekend. So Dave, yesterday we talked about kind of the three big questions this franchise has this offseason. A, who's their head coach? We now, you know, essentially have confirmation of that based on the reporting. And now the questions become who's your quarterback and who will be the OC for this team? Those are the two largest questions now that loom into 2024. Uh yeah, absolutely. Uh real quick, I wanted to kind of recap what uh, Jay Glazier said back on January the 7th. Uh, and I think that was during one of the Fox sports mm-hmm. pre- pregame shows. He says, Mike Tomlin, comma, a couple of weeks ago, people were asking for him to be gone. Are you kidding me, people? Uh, he's never had a losing season. So Mike Tomlin, it will be his choice if he goes back to the Steelers or not. It will it will be his choice. So uh, that was where he kind of left off on that. I think kind of the stuff from Glazier before that, uh, rolling back to December 12th. Man, has it, has it been a month and five days <laughs> <laughs> already? Uh, Jay Glazier suggests that commanders should call Steelers about Mike Tomlin. Uh, trade and and really the quote from that was Jay Glazer saying I'm telling you if Mike Tomlin was available teams would be lining up even if he's not available yet teams should be calling trying to trade for Mike Tomlin hey Washington he's from Virginia perfect I'm at least giving it a shot uh, saying I'm at least giving it a shot if I'm a team calling for him, basically. Uh, I'm trying, uh, basically goes, uh, you know, in so many words, the when rolling back through these Glazier reports, it was, uh, you know, teams should at least try to call to see if Mike Tomlin would be available via trade. And 
But if he's not, are you kidding me? Mike Tomlin will be back. It's his choice whether or not he will be back. So I just want to roll back mm-hmm. uh, uh, through the the, uh, the things that Jay Glazer, because a couple of people had questions about that, I think, uh, on, 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 on my Twitter timeline. Uh, where, where did you leave me off uh, at? Well, I just to kind of bounce off of that, you know, I we had had the commentary during the losing streak and there was the biggest kind of talking points about Mike Tomlin's future. Is he going to be done in Pittsburgh? Will he be fired or traded or something like that? And we both made the point that trade speculation with coaches happens seemingly every single year. And it's so much more bark than bite. It, it almost never happens. You had Sean Payton take the sabbatical, which was not analogous to Tomlin's situation of being on a team currently and just coaching and then trading. I mean, that hasn't happened again since what Tony Dungy and John Gruden. And you look at this year, Belichick, not traded. Grable, not traded. Tomlin, not traded. So this is going to happen, not necessarily to Tomlin potentially, but other coaches each year where, you know, Mike Florio loves talking about trade coaching speculation. And this stuff just almost never happens. Logistically, it's hard to do. It takes time. You're delayed then in, in finding your next head coach because half of them have interviewed and taken jobs elsewhere. So just want to make that point about you know, trade trading coaches almost never happens. And this is a good reminder, this entire cycle league wide, that if there was a year where, where coaches were going to get traded, you had some of the, the top names out there, Carroll and Belichick and Grable and Tomlin, and none of them are getting dealt. Yeah, I thought it was interesting when uh, Robert Kraft was asked about uh something along the lines of, you know, did he consider trading uh, Belichick? And he, he, uh, in so many words, had said, you know, a, a, a lot with along, along the lines of Brady. Uh, they they had done enough during their careers to decide their own future instead of having it kind of uh, decided, you know, for them. Uh, and I think kind of, kind of looking at the Steelers situation, if, when and if, well, Obviously, Mike Thomas not going to coach to the end of time, but <laughs> at least we don't think so. But uh, uh, long story short, I, I would think whenever the end of Mike Tomlin is in Pittsburgh, it would be either Mike Tomlin leaving uh, on his own accord. You know, Mike Tomlin, the other option, obviously, is to be fired. In other words, I don't think they would trade him. I think they would let him go his own path much in the same uh 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 route that that Belichick with the you know and the Patriots separated. Sure. And then the Titans owner said didn't say that Frable kind of earned the right to leave or, or whatever the case is like Belichick, but right. they just said it, it's too difficult to trade the coach and logistically it's hard. It's going to take time and we just didn't want to wait around for all these other top coaches to get interviews and get hired by the time we traded our coach. So even if you don't look at it from the kind of just moral quote unquote standpoint of let, let the guy just leave and do his own thing. Right. There are some logistical reasons why trades are very difficult to pull off and have a negative consequence to your franchise. Yeah, I think it's, and not to say that there won't be head coaches traded down, you know, in the future and all like that. But I think it's kind of important that we file all file this off season or, you know, what has happened recently mm-hmm. away in our memory banks for the next time that we get into Mike Tomlin might be traded talk. Right. Or, or any coach. It, it happens. It's rare. And it's usually the case of somebody who's retired or sabbatical. A Bruce Arians, a Sean Payton is much more likely to happen than a Gruden or a Tony Dungy type situation. And then also with Glazer, you know, just to kind of 
give my thought process there. When Glazer had that initial Fox pregame hit on, on January 7th, I didn't come out and like lose my mind about it and write a big article on it. I, I included it in kind of our little daily Depot After Dark article just, just to tuck it away. And then 24 hours later, Adam Schefter had a more concrete phrasing of there's people around the league who believe that Tomlin may leave and may consider his future. And that's when I said, OK, the last 24 hours, two insiders, one of which is very close to Tomlin and Glazer have at least implied or hinted at this, that became notable. So I, I waited until there was kind of two top insiders at least referencing this or hinting at this before even mentioning it as a story. And then, of course, it's grown over time with more speculation, Mike Florio's comments, et cetera. All right. Good point. And uh, we went into yes, yesterday's uh, uh, podcast talking about you know a, a few of the big things that we're looking for right out of shoot. One of those one of those questions facing this team now has has been answered. That's obviously the head coach, and really the the other you know look. This team has a lot of questions regarding you know uh, uh, that they need to answer between now and obviously the start of uh, next season here, but you know, the next one now that the domino of the head coach is known uh, would be, what is this team going to do with the coaching staff? Most more specifically the offensive coordinator and you know, the all important quarterback position. So that's uh, and I don't know how many, you know, when Mike Tomlin uh, talks to the media, hopefully in these next, I don't know, 24, 48 hours, I don't, I mean, are we going to get word here pretty quick about current coaches and their future and firings and whatnot? I mean, we've got a little piece of info about it, uh, you know, assistant, you know, uh, 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 coach. You can tell the people about that. But uh, and I will be interested to see how, you know, if I, I would hope Mike Thomas asked at least asked the question mm-hmm. about what what his thoughts are on the quarterback position, at least initially in 2024. I don't know how, what kind of answer, if any, that we're going to get out of it, but I'm interested to see how much he hangs on to, you know, if he throws his support behind Kenny Pickett and right. football and football justice, or if he takes the opportunity to kind of, I mean, it, it's going to be one or two things that, that I think is going to be the takeaway from, from, from that. If he's asked about the quarterback position is either he's, He's in on Kenny Pickett yep. or he's distancing himself from a decision on, you know, on, 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 on making Kenny Pickett the quarterback. Right. I mean, it can only go one sure. or two ways. Sure. You're either committing to him or you're leaving it open ended. And that's going to be very telling. And frankly, I mean, you know, it's going to be a half hour plus press conference. But now that we know that Tomlin is definitely going to come back, it's the only answer that I really care about. I mean, he, he'll right. be asked about, you know, the coaching staff, the rest of it will be just kind of more open-ended, you know, we'll see, we'll go through it. And that's all well and good. We'll talk about it. We'll write about it. But the only question that, that I'm really interested in, because I don't know what the answer is going to be is, is Kenny Pickett your future or not? And either you commit to it and say, Pickett's our guy, or you're going to say, we'll evaluate and we'll see. And we like Kenny Pickett, we'll support him, but you know, he'll give some sort of cop out or, you know, more wishy-washy type answer. And I'm very curious to know which way it's going to go because I really don't, that's the only one I don't know how Tomlin's going to answer. Right. And he, does he have to be careful here or, or can he do typical, just leave it open because people are going to run with it. (laughs) Us included either way. way, Right. So uh, I guess what I'm asking is if, if Kenny Pickett is their guy, should it be kind of clear by at least Mike Tomlin 
coming out of this presser? Should it be should it be clear, or or is it okay for him to leave it open? In because if he if he leaves any question about it, people are going to use that as a question uh, sure. uh, all, all, all off season. If I'm Mike Tomlin, and if I believe Kenny Pickett is the guy, and if I organizationally between myself and Omar Khan come to that agreement that okay, Pickett's going to be the guy for next year, for better or for worse, I think you have to say that in the presser, just with the way that Pickett's probably feeling right now, being benched and sitting these games, not starting the playoff game, etc. If you want to give him some confidence and, and show we still support you, and then you come out in the press conference and you don't really commit to that. You know, that's going to be telling for, for Pickett. He's going to he's going to be aware of what Mike Tomlin has to say. So if you are committing to Pickett, and I'm not saying that they are, although I think it is leaning that way. But if that's how you feel, you should make that publicly known. I agree. And if and they're tamped down on that discussion, the discussion about quarterbacks will still exist this offseason, but it will tamp that down if you come out and say Pickett is our guy. Right. Now, you can agree or disagree with that and mm-hmm. say, well, they should do this. They should do that. But if you if you get out of the coach's head mouth or, or head mouth, if you uh, out, <laughs> out of the mouth of the head coach that this is our guy, then everything else off of it's just discussion uh, uh, of, of, you know, of, of what you think the team should do and whether or not you think it's a right and wrong decision from there. Uh, I don't want to give this because obviously we're not in the locker room and, and we don't know the dynamics and we don't know players schedules and, 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 and what they had planned and all like that. But there was a report yesterday, I think Ray Fittipaldo, uh, uh, saying that, you know, for, for locker, locker room cleanout day, uh, I don't know if he. I don't know if he said Kenny Pickett wasn't there, but just didn't uh, make didn't him so, speak. Yeah, right. He didn't speak, and with him being a team captain uh, in 2023, and once again, look, the guy for all we know was, you know, not feeling well, uh, had a mm-hmm. prior commitment, uh, yada yada. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I don't want to. You know, nobody uh, until we find specific should be throwing you know daggers in that 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 direction but i will say it's a bit curious yeah i don't know for sure but i'm more curious about just the direction this team's going to go in what their commitment's going to be how do you think tomlin because he will be asked about that tomorrow undeniably or or whenever he, ha- he has his press or i shouldn't say tomorrow but but that, that kind of logically is when the presser is most likely to occur but when he's asked about your, the future of the quarterback position do you think he does more of the general vague dance around it or do you think he commits to kenny pickett right then right there Ah, uh, yeah, that's a great question. All I can do is is add up what has happened o- over the last several weeks, and uh, I know I know people are going to be tired of hearing it, but I, I just I cannot let out of my mind the several times that Mike Tomlin's referenced Kenny Pickett and used the word football justice. That's one. Uh, just you know, it would be an about face if all of a sudden football justice being attached to Kenny Pickett uh, goes away. All right? That was before he was benched. Sure, sure. Now, he did the other part of this that's that that has me thinking that that he will not distant, you know, in other words, say that Kenny Pickett's our guy is that he went out of the way to leave Kenny Pickett as number one on the depth chart. True. Now, point. now he he, you know, there's politics of how how much politics is 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 included in that. I don't know, 
but uh, that's the other part of it that he had the chance of shifting the depth chart around when, you know, remember just, just last week or two weeks ago, there was depth chart gate. And, uh, <laughs> well, you know, there was that mistake with the depth chart uh, 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 during the rookie season and they called it a clerical error and, and, and this, that, and the other. Uh, so where I, where I'm at right now with the way Mike Tomlin has used specifically the, the phrase football justice this past season when talking about Kenny Pickett and combined with the fact that, and look, it's just a depth chart. I get it people, but it's, it is one that has been scrutinized in the past and gotten corrected. And uh, Mike Tomlin made sure to say that when, when Mason Rudolph had the ball, it was Mason Rudolph has the ball because he has the hot hand. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not because of, Mason Rudolph is QB one on the depth chart. You see what I'm saying there? I do. So, I do. so, so when you add those, at least in my head, uh, when you add those things together, that's what, that's where I'm at right now, which leads me to think that I'm, my initial expectation is he will say, Kenny Pickett is our, is our quarterback moving forward. Here's where I think he's going to go. Just from listening to Tomlin over the years, he's going to say, Two phrases essentially will be the key takeaways, something to the effect of we've got a lot of belief in Kenny Pickett. He may not explicitly say that Pickett is going to be our 2024 starter, undeniable quarterback one, but he'll say something like we have a lot of confidence in Kenny Pickett. We believe in Kenny Pickett. Um, We want to see more of Kenny Pickett, but it'll also say something to the effect of we continually evaluate the quarterback position as we do all positions, something a little more coach speak like so. There's going to be, I think, one, there's going to be two, two main phrases from this. Something positive about Kenny Pickett, showing belief and confidence in him, but also a little bit of the we're evaluating as we evaluate everything angle to it as well. All right. So, in other words, you think he's going to leave enough in there that's going to have us wonder, is Kenny Pickett really the guy or is he not? I think as, as, as to how this team will treat quarterback position during the offseason. Yeah, I think you're going to get one or two headlines from the, from the media, um, you know, depending on their angle of Kenny Pickett of, you know, one half will be Tomlin's comments about believing in Pickett. The other half will be headlines about the Steelers evaluating their quarterback position going forward. I, again, I think odds are Kenny Pickett will be the week one 2024 starter, right or wrong. I think it's the direction they're going to go. But just knowing Tomlin, you know, he gives a little bit of coach speak, but will also kind of give you a half answer sometimes too. Um, I, I just I, I just think that's how he's going to answer the question. Okay. Uh, if he answers it kind of in the way that you just described, how do you take that if you're Kenny Pickett? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a little bit of the kind of, what are they, what is it? The, the Rorschach test where you kind of see what you want to see based on, you know, your own, own life and, and how you feel about it. Um, you get, you get way too deep for my, uh, <laughs> for my, uh, uh, 10th grade ed- education. I don't know. Again, I think, Pickett's going to be is the odds on favorite to be the week one starter. I'm betting that that's going to be not explicitly communicated to Pickett behind closed doors, but that'll be maybe the feeling that'll be the the way that they, they frame things of you're still our guy. I'm just telling you how I think Tomlin's going to answer this okay. thing tomorrow, just based on how I know Mike Tomlin usually answers these types of questions. Sure. And anything short of Mike Tomlin slamming his fist down on the table and saying, Kenny Pickett is our is our franchise quarterback moving forward is going to be shipped off into yes. uh, 17 different directions. 
Right. Anything that's not a complete commitment is going to be the door is open for potential replacement. And hello, 1800 articles and podcasts about Justin Fields and Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins. And but you're still going to get those, even if Mike yeah, Thomas uh, says, yeah. <laughs> says, but at least, you know, from, from, from anyway. So that, that that's, that's the main thing I think that that everybody's probably looking for coming out of the Mike Tomlin mm-hmm. presser. I mean, we'll uh, hopefully he'll get asked about who might need surgery, who doesn't need surgery and he health of the that, team. And I don't know. Sometimes I don't know. In the past, he's talked about a couple of players might need work or whatnot. Have well, he? yeah, but he, not specifically though. He'll right. just say maybe there might be some surgeries and just kind of general language. Right, but overall the health of this team's not bad coming out of a coming out of a season. I think TJ Watt talked and said his basically his knee just needs more rest moving forward and be interested to see with a guy like Sayambalo who was dinged up uh there, uh who you know Harris might get a cleanup. He's at that knee he's had right. for six weeks. Yeah, you're gonna get some stuff like that, I'm sure. Right. Uh all right. Uh what what else? Uh and then obviously offense, you know, the coaching staff and all like that, something that, that we're going to be watching moving forward. Sure. He'll be asked about that again. I expect just kind of the general answer, which is fine of, you know, we'll evaluate and I don't think he's going to commit to anything. I mean, he'll be asked about what he's looking for in the OC and what do you think he'll say to that about the OC? Just, will it be just uh we want winning football and scoring points, or do you think there'll be actually some substance to that answer? Yeah. I don't think he's going to outline what he's looking for or anything like that. Heck, uh, it'd be interesting to see between now and then if any actual moves are made, because, uh, in the past, you know, haven't we seen the Randy Feetner news and, uh, almost immediately after the season, was that before or after the press, uh, the Tom press conference that year, Those you remember? Are- after okay. um, almost no coaching moves get made before Tomlin speaks, okay. but that's usually on like parting ways with coaches. And obviously there's really no, you know, permanent OC to part ways from right now. So they're just going to start their OC search for a permanent guy, probably within a week or so. All right. So we'll probably be left twisted with him saying we're evaluating mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the season discussions. And then yeah. probably four or five, six days later, we'll find out who's, who's, who's gone and who's staying. Right, right. Uh, Speaking of one guy that appears to be gone, we know Mike Tomlin is staying, but one assistant coach who appears to be leaving is offensive assistant Glenn Thomas. Reportedly, he's going to be going to Nebraska to team up with Matt Rule, where they have a long relationship. They work together at Temple and Baylor. Thomas was hired for the 2023 season, so just one year with Pittsburgh. Offensive assistant didn't hear from him. Don't entirely know his role. It was probably just more game planning, film study, helping wherever he was needed throughout the week. Uh, he's got NFL and college experience, but Glenn Thomas appears to be going back to college. I can see a lot of people with the uh, the meme. Uh, who <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't didn't even know you? Did he even talk to the media? I don't think he did. Did he? I don't believe so. Eddie Faulkner talked about him once and said he was doing a great job, but as an assistant coach, those guys have no media obligations. All right. So that is uh, one name who appears to be uh, on the out. Do you think? We have some time here to talk about this, but what other what other coaching staff changes do you think could happen in terms of the parting of the ways type things? Uh, do you think it's I think it's more likely to be offensive turnover than defensive turnover? But what are you thinking, Dave? Uh, I know a lot of people want Terrell Austin gone, but I have a I have a feeling that's not going to happen. Uh, I think uh, Grady Brown stays. I think Aaron Curry stays. Uh, Dunbar is up there in age. Uh, so 
Isn't he? I mean, he's older, but he's not like 70 or something. He's okay. 50s, 60s. How old uh, is 56, Carl? according okay. to Wikipedia. All right. So uh, uh, as far as defensive coach, I mean, Denzel Martin, I don't think he's going anywhere. Who else on the defensive side of football? Uh, I do wonder if Grady Brown will get some D.C. interviews once head coaches get hired. This will be later in the offseason process in maybe two or so weeks because uh, they got to fill, obviously, GMs and head coach spots first. But I could see him getting some D.C. interviews around the league. Uh, yeah, but will he get a job? Yeah, I don't. I mean, who knows? But I think right. he can at least at least get some looks. Uh, but long story short, I'm not expecting much shakeup, if any, on the defensive side of the football. Uh, if there was a move to be made, it probably would be the, the defensive coordinator position. Uh, but other than that, other than a guy maybe like Dunbar moving on or something, I'm not expecting anything on the offensive side of football. Now, if you move over to the offensive side, I mean, obviously uh, you have to question what's going to happen with uh, Eddie Faulkner, with Mike Sullivan, with Pat Meyer. Uh, Who do you think are real candidates? Because, I mean, do you think Sullivan could really leave or do you think could they be upset if they get passed over for the permanent OC job? Would somebody look elsewhere? Because, I mean, Faulkner, I think it's done a good job with the running backs and I don't know if they're going to have I mean, maybe if a new OC gets hired, maybe he brings in his quarterback right, coach or something. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I I think you leave it up to uh, you. You want this guy to shop for his coaching, you know, some of his coaching groceries, at least people that. So I, I think it's all dependent, put potentially on maybe the new OC. Okay, that's fair. Um, Pat Meyer, I mean, putting the OC hire aside, I think assuming the just for a second of the OC does not want to replace Pat Meyer if it's a Tomlin decision I think he would stay if given the choice yeah it's going to be interesting to see how that works out there is a recency bias here with okay they 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 did do but you know the offensive line gelled but why is it these all why aren't these offensive lines gelling at the start of the season you know that's fair. No, I agree with that. Um, but I just think they've had so much turnover with the O-line coach in recent years that they want to continue that process for a you know, relatively young group or guys new to Pittsburgh. I, I think they've done enough with the run game, especially. I thought Pat Meyer had some really creative schemes you know, later in the season that really improved the run game. So that, that's my guess. Not going to lock it in, but, but that's my guess. There will be changes, right? I think so. Yeah, I I would, you know, again, OC hire can can change things for some jacks. The receivers coach is one name that I look at. I wonder if that's going to be a potential move there. I I wonder about that as well, too, because I think they generally sign, you know, assistant uh, positional coaches sign two year contracts in Pittsburgh. And so this is year two for Jackson. If we assume that's true, then his contract would be up. And again, Pittsburgh less likely to fire coaches, but more let let them just walk and their contracts expire. So uh, that could be the situation Jackson finds himself in. And what about Alfredo Roberts? I know you're a big Alfredo fan, but have, has this team gotten enough out of their tight ends? I think so. I mean, look at the Frymoose development, Hayward's development. I thought Darnell got better as the year went on. I mean, Rodney Williams. I mean, who has he not developed and made better throughout his tenure? Okay. I think he's pretty safe. All right. But again, if a new OC comes in, I mean... You never know what could happen there in terms of the, the shakeup, especially if it's an, ex- an external hire, which has not happened in Pittsburgh since Todd Haley. All right, Dave, uh, other other players speaking on that locker room clean-out day, Cam Hayward, TJ Watt. Much of the conversation was you know, offering support for Mike Tomlin, defending him, saying there's no one else that they want to play for. Hayward actually went as far to say that the rumors and speculation about Tomlin created a distraction. And did he say dissent among the team, too? That was kind of a curious comment. Yeah, and why he would let I, – I, I don't like the fact that he 
look, I understand these these guys read this stuff and how can they not? But don't mm. don't don't tell me don't tell me that it's bothering you. You know what I'm saying? We know it, but we know it's with him saying that. Uh we know it bothers you, but I mean, because well, here's the thing. If it bothers you now, uh what other things are bothering you? He's just being honest. I mean, I can appreciate right. the honesty and the candor. My question is, what dissent was it creating? Were people getting mad? Were they thinking Tomlin was bailing? I mean, I, I'm just curious where the dissent angle was coming from Hayward in his commentary. Yeah, it's hard to say for sure without him being specifically asked how 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 that impacted and all. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe 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 it's just a poor choice of words. You know, uh, maybe not dissent, but maybe you know, just questioning. Where where the where the future of the team is going, and you know, are they playing for a guy that might not be there? Right. That's uh, true. That that kind of thing. Uh, there, yeah. D- did he use the word dissent? I don't. I'm pretty sure he did. It wasn't. It was kind of tucked away. Distraction. I think he was more firm on, but but I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I can't find the quote right now that he spoke for ten plus minutes. But I'm almost positive he used that word at some point. In yeah. Conversation. And look, I mean, it's I, I you know. If anybody knows how how uh, how tough it is to choose the right word, sometimes it's me. So sometimes you might be looking for one word and say another word, and you know, not really mean the full definition of it. Mm-hmm. So, it's, but he it's did hard. say distraction. I mean, he did. Okay. He was basically saying there was an impact right. in the locker room from these reports. Right. I, I get that point of it, and I imagine there mm-hmm. was was talk in there, people reading their phones and saying, "Man, well, what do you think about you know this?" Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and there being constant talk during the week about that. And I think his point to just tack on to that is, you know, Hayward always wants the singular focus on the week, the game, win the beat the beat the Bills, beat the Ravens, get in the playoffs, and these other things where some of that noise that you don't want seeping into your locker room as you're trying to lock in over that final month to to make your run. All right. I thought it was uh he talked about his health and and a little bit more about his future. The further you get away from uh the end of the game the other night, it 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 it's feeling more and more like uh, barring something spectacular happening, that uh, Cam Hayward will be back in 2024. That that's that's your takeaway as well, too, right? Absolutely, and he even seemed to imply that he may pl- play past 2024. Something to the effect of, you know, I'm not even saying it's going to be just one more season, kind of a deal. So, but it did, did depend on health, and he talked about how difficult this year was, and opened up even more about his injury and that groin injury he suffered in Week One. It did not begin in week one of the regular season. He said he actually hurt his groin on the first day of training camp. I had some mini tears. They tried to rest it and um, thought he would be okay. And then obviously he wasn't you know, going down and tearing his groin fully in that week one game against San Francisco. So interesting note there from Cam Hayward. Look, we could tell uh, upon his return that he was, he couldn't run right. You know, so I imagine it was, uh, something for him on a week to week basis to try to get through probably very frustrating on his part because we, we, we didn't see a usual cam Hayward out there all of the season. Really? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, it's, I went back through my training camp notes. He practiced the day or two after that first day at camp. Now he did have that kind of prolonged rest period, kind of the more middle portion of training camp. I remember that. So, and, and Hayward alluded to that's why he was, it wasn't just typical old man rest. It was him trying to, uh, you know, just take a couple of days off to let his body heal. But if he actually did hurt his groin on that 
if it's the literal first day of camp, not padded, but like the first day of non-padded practice, he practiced for the next couple of days after that. And I'm sitting there reading my notes going, why are you practicing camp? No one has, <laughs> no one has it's, they're not even in pads right now. You don't have to practice, but I'm not sure if he went actually the first day in camp in terms of like the actual first practice or the first day in pads. Okay. Gotcha. But either way, that's interesting to note there that because that was McFarland too. McFarland said he hurt his knee in the preseason, but he played through it and then he got hurt in week one. And then his knee injury was too much at that point. And he had to go on IR. So often these injuries begin before they actually you know visibly appear to to you and I. Right. And he talked about having to cram a whole you know kind of off season into what do you say six eight weeks or what, what however long to try to recover. And basically he. You know, he did what he did, what he could do to get himself back on the field as quickly as possible. And obviously wasn't 100 percent. And you know, there, there are several times with him uh, that you can see on the tape with him running that that that's not the way he runs. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously, he, you know, his production probably wasn't where he wanted it to be. He wasn't the same cam. And that's probably because having to compensate for 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 the groin hurting. He can have my groin. Uh, <laughs> All right. I don't use mine anymore. So, uh, uh, but yeah, here, here's the hope that he gets a lot of rest this off season, uh, and, and can hit the ground running in 2024. As far as looking past that, uh, you know, look, he's only under contract, uh, right now for the 2024 season, uh, something that's going to be, and, and he, in so many words said was asked about his contract and, 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 and what he thinks is going to happen there. he, he did the proper thing and says, look, this is a business and and all that stuff will take care of itself upstairs. Here's here's the long and short of it when it comes to his contract, Alex. He is mm-hmm. sched- he is scheduled to earn $16 million base salary in 2024. Now, a lot of people will run and look at his cap number, which is $22,406 and some change. All right. Uh, don't look at it that way. The way you got to look at it is what he's scheduled to earn as a base salary and then kind of work, work, work uh, from there. I will tell you this. Uh, when it comes to massaging his contract in whatever way you want to massage it to free up salary cap space, uh, it's, an, it's an important reminder that Larry Joby is set to earn a total of $9.75 million in 2024 with his base salary and with the roster bonus that he's due this offseason, all right? So you're not going to ask Cam Hayward to take his salary down less than than $10 million when it when it comes to that uh, defensive lineman room. You're just not, all right? You, you would mm-hmm. agree with that, right? You're not going to take your defensive captain and then make him earn less in a single season than a guy like Larry Ogunjobi. Are are you are you in agreement with that? Yes. All right. So at most you you would lower it down six million dollars down to ten million dollars. I think that's the high side extreme when it comes to going to Cam Hayward and asking for a pay cut, which I'm not convinced happens. It could but I'm not convinced it, it, it happens. Additionally, uh, TJ Watts, obviously the highest, highest paid defensive player, player period on, on, on this team. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick outside of Cam Hayward would, 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 
would be the third, and Minka scheduled to earn fourteen point five million dollar base salary in uh, in in, in two thousand twenty four. You have a guy like uh, Alex Highsmith, ten point seven three three million. So there's another uh, hierarchy, if you will, that you could basically, I think, in your head say, no way does does Cam Hayward earn less. Uh, when it comes to a base salary in 2024 than Alex Highsmith. So now you've capped it at 11 million, uh, which would, would, it would take a $5 million uh, pay cut at that point. And that is if indeed you were, you were willing to shuffle him behind Minka Fitzpatrick when it comes to base, you know, earnings uh, in, in, in 2024. So when you're talking about pay cuts, and it, uh, uh, spe- specifically about a guy like uh, Cam Hayward, to me, the discussion ends at it potentially being five million. Are are you are, are you in agreement with that? Yeah, I am, and I think a pay cut with you is is less likely. It, it could happen, but five million will be the met. That was Ben. They took Ben down five million. That was his pay right. cut, correct? So right. that's kind of a, a model. But I think they were in worse cap situation before, and wasn't Ben counting way more against uh, the the salary cap? And they had, I mean, Rooney came out and said we have to do something with Ben's contract, and they have not framed it that way with Hayward yet. Right. There were different dynamics involved and all like that for sure. Uh, now, what? What you could, the, the most likely, the, to me, and I spent a lot of time playing with the numbers last night with this, I think the most likely path uh, with Cam Hayward is leave his, basically leave his salary alone, but what you do is do what this team did with Troy Palomalo and, 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 and Heath Miller several years ago. Uh, they added... Two year, they they basically signed those guys to two year extensions. No additional new money uh, uh, was added, and what they did, it basically became a restructure situation with uh, uh, two year options added on top of it. They gave base salaries the uh, the two additional years that were were competitive based on their position group and 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 all like that. They took a chunk of their base salary that they were each uh, scheduled to earn in that current year, turned it into a signing bonus to prorate out for the remainder of, you know, uh, over a course of three years in total right. uh, to, to lower the cap numbers on both those, both those guys there. Uh, to me, that's probably the, 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 the likeliest scenario when it comes to massaging Cam Hayward's cap number. So what you would do is, let's say you wanted to uh, take his sixteen million dollar base salary. Uh, let's lower it down to two million. Uh, the fourteen million dollars uh, uh, would be turned into a signing bonus, and then drop down. You know, prorated over. You add two other years onto his contract. That mm-hmm. at least that at least throws the carrot out there. That I mean comes out 2024 and has a good season and you want another season out of them at least it's not on the books as a voidable year i mean you could go the voidable year aspect with it where you add on four voidable years uh do the same thing take his base salary down turn it into a signing bonus that way but the the problem when in doing something like that that's going to void much in the uh, way that ben roethlisberger deal uh happened was all that all that additional proration accelerates in February 
you know, five days after the Super Bowl, what, 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 whatever, in, you know, in 2025. Whereas if you added on, let's say, two years and then did a proration that way, and if it didn't work out after 2024, you could then designate him as a June 1st cut and then put half, you know, put off uh, half of the remaining proration until 2026, yada, yada. So I think. If you want to talk about Cam Hayward specifically, I would be surprised if it's a pay cut. If it is a pay cut, straight out, with with no New Year's added and all like that, I'm expected to be no more than five million. But I think the most likely likely path here with him would be to add two years onto his deal, and then you know no no additional new money just give him a chunk of what he is scheduled to earn in 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 2024 as a signing bonus and lower his cap that way good points and great math and i think that's the most likely scenario as well and also if you did the true extension as opposed to the voidable year extension and hayward and the team wanted him to keep playing beyond 2024 then you can just he just plays his contract out. You right. Know, he's going to the next year. You don't have to deal with voidable years and trying to rework the contract and, and all that kind of stuff. So help me understand how this would get announced and framed. So they, they would say it as a two-year extension. It'd be a two-year extension. Worth, what, what's a base salary going rate? Uh, 12, 11 million, 12 million? What would be a number on that? Like help uh, me how they would announce this. I mean, look, you wanted him to save save some face out of this as well too, where the average yearly value. Yeah. You can't say two year, $8 million uh, extension for game. Right. Right. So, I mean, he, he, his, his on the books average yearly value right now is 16.4 million, you know? Uh, and when you look at him in the hierarchy, I think he's still right there around He's still in the, I think he's like 13th or 14th overall. I'm not going to count him down here, but, uh, uh, let's say you did to keep them within the top. I mean, you got to lower them that much and, you know, uh, you got to lower it some, you can't give them a $16 million base salary for 2025 or something, you know, I mean, you could because of the cap escalation and all like yeah, that, then worry true. about it then, you know, uh, you know, let, let's just say. Let, let's put it at 14 million in each of uh, 2025 okay. and 2026. Let's put it at 15 million uh, uh, and, and let's call it a two year, $30 million extension. Okay. That, that's how it would be announced if they were to do something with that. Right. right. People would lose their ever loving mind know. Right. Uh, uh, if it was announced like that. But that's the way you do it to save face with the player and his average yearly value. Here's the thing. Uh, it would be framed as that, but it would also need to be framed that there's no new money involved. Sure. The, the devil's in the details, but I'm just trying to get an idea of how it's going to get framed initially and how it's going to look on the surface. And then of course right. this is being done for you know other reasons, but I, I just want to get an idea of how that's going to actually play out publicly. And then we'll talk about the details when the details come. Uh, here's what they did with uh, Palomalo back in uh, back when that happened. Uh, it was what was it? Uh, two year, eleven point seven five million dollar extension is what it was was termed. Okay. And uh, as part of that, six point seven five million of the eight. 
$1.25 million base salary that Paula Mullah was scheduled to earn. I don't know why I keep all these numbers. I know why I do because I have a problem. Yeah, I mean, but, but, I'm glad uh, you did. We have them now. Uh, six points. Uh, what happened was six point seven five million of the eight point two five million dollars that Palomalo was scheduled to earn as a base salary in two thousand fourteen was basically turned into a signing bonus. Uh, it, the uh, two thousand fifteen two thousand sixteen years got added on to that, and he was given base salaries. Uh, what had happened, in other words, that 8.25 million went down to six point, I mean, went down to $1.5 million base salary Mm -hmm. and the remainder of that was turned into a signing bonus and his additional years added on to that deal, which he obviously didn't see were a $6 million base salary in 2015 and a $5.75 million base salary in 2000 and, 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 and 16 there. So if you look at kind of the percentages, uh, and 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 all like that. It, it it's not unreasonable to think that it might be something like uh, thirteen. A, well, no, like a sixteen million dollar base salary for 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 Cam in. You think? Because uh, Troy's was lower than his base salary was initially, right? It was eight point something, and then the sure. future base salaries came down by like I don't know twenty percent or so. Uh, so I'm kind of right. doing that math. All right, so go uh, go fourteen and twelve. Yeah. Or even maybe just 14, 14, but something maybe a right. bit lower. So I, I could see that. And yeah, I, I asked the question about the framing to kind of, um, oh, how do I want to frame it? I'm trying to think. Just get make people aware, not, not to freak out, as you said, you know, when this extension gets announced, assuming that it does at some point, because, you know, people might go, oh my goodness, how are they extending Kim Hayward for all this money? He's so old, he might retire, but they kind of have to do it in, in, in a certain way. Right. Uh, and with Heath Miller, that was a two year, $8 million. Uh, uh, extension in 2000. Boy, how, how times have changed <laughs> yeah. just that quick. Man, that's 10 years ago already. Good God, I've gotten old. Mm. Uh, and I think they lowered his base salary down to the minimum at the time, which I think was 1.02 million uh, that way there. So uh, this is a long discussion about something that hasn't happened yet and might not happen, but I think that's the best course of action that you take with Cam Hayward. Uh, there's a two-year extension uh, and 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 lowers cap cap number that way. Prime the pump. That was the phrase I was looking for. I want people to get aware of how this is going to look. I mean, something's going to happen. I, I think it's reasonable to say they can't just leave this contract as is. So something's going to occur over the next couple of months. I mean, they they could work around it, but it it. You know, if, if you have the opportunity to work around it with with his approval by just basically adding on two years and paying the money he's already due as a signing bonus, you know, that, well, why not take that route? Yeah. And the reason why his base salary is so high, did they do previous restructures or is this just from the end of his previous long term deal? No, no, no. This is uh, uh, the reason his cap number is so high is because of restructuring. You know, okay. restructure the old can kicking you're facing right now. Right. But the, uh, uh, the $16 million uh, base salary has been the, you know, was, was part of the extension that that's what okay. it was scheduled to be. Okay. Gotcha. So I, I think the way you laid it out, Dave is, is the most likely outcome of how this thing's going to go. Right. And I'll get all into this when I post the cap update here, you know, soon and all like that of some of the options that this team has, but, uh, uh, realistically, and, and once again, if it is a pay cut, don't expect it. Uh, I mean, you could just make this a clean, you know, 
Cam, you need to take $5 million pay cut to, to, to stay. You want to do it? Yes. All right. And then you, you free up $5 million in cap space that way. Or you could take sure. the other route and probably free up a little bit more, uh, probably around, I don't know, eight, nine million dollars in cap space by doing you know, a two year extension with no new money. And I think the latter is far more likely. Right. One other way this team will create some cap space this summer or this offseason, I should say, is to often tackle Chakuma Korfor, who spoke with the media. And while he said his future is unknown, we basically know where this thing is going. He's got a roster bonus due in March. This team's going to decline that in a core four saying that, you know, had he known he'd be benched and the season would play out in which it played out, he would have never re-signed with the team back in, was that, I think, March uh, 2022 on that three-year extension. So uh, they're going to clear up a bunch of cap space through a core four. Spicy yesterday, wasn't mm-hmm. it? <laughs> yeah, you don't hear from a core four too often, but that was that was a good good hot take. Yeah, uh, that, uh, that probably didn't catch enough eyes to, to everybody. But look... Uh, this thing ever since uh, ever since that you know benching happened, even really before then, this thing was heading in this direction. The benching uh, just just kind of punctuated it at this point. Chikomo uh, uh, Korfor is going to be gone. He's going to be gone by the twenty uh, or by the eighteenth of March. Uh, go ahead and circle that date on your calendar if you're listening at home. He will not make it to March 18th, and that is because he is due a $4 million roster bonus on March 18th. Uh, he probably will be gone before that even because the the, uh, the start of agency start. Uh, the start of the new year, new league year is a couple of days before that, I think, in like the, the 13th or or 12th or something along those lines there. So by the middle of March, uh, Chocomo core four will be gone and he'll in doing so, uh, the team should save 8.75 million in salary cap space prior to top 51 roster displacement. And I know he started, you know, three and a half seasons for the team. That extension that was always at the time we both were kind of like, all right, kind of a, surprising move to to give him that long-term deal that long-term commitment for a pretty average right tackle i don't know if it was just kind of the situation at the time where the offensive line looked so bleak they wanted to just try to retain somebody that was the the best of a bad offensive line and have some continuity but that that extension always kind of was a bit curious yeah but here here's the thing overall you know uh uh why and and how and 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 the amount of the 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 decision aside where 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 it, it, it gets scrutinized the most or should get scrutinized the most at this point right now and framed as a bad decision is the fact that you just paid to core for in 2023, uh, a cash amount of $10 million. Uh, and you know, that's not even factor into pro pro rate signing bonus from his deal and all like that. But if you want to talk about cold, hard cash of what you spent on a player in, 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 in 2023, you paid him $10 million to, uh, to play. How many snaps did he play? 400 or something? Half the season, essentially. It's all he played. I mean, not, not even a half when you, when you, uh, you know, uh, yeah, for the first right. seven games, I guess, cause they had the bye weekend. Okay. There. All right. And I, and obviously had he been injured, you could say, well, he sure. was injured and all like that. But I mean, you paid this guy $10 million to just sit over there and be a, uh, a spectator. 
Yeah, I mean, I think at the time, Pittsburgh was overhauling their offensive line so much, they just didn't want to have to deal with replacing the right tackle spot, too. So they just said, okay, we'll lock up a core for these at least average, there's continuity, and we can focus on investing elsewhere. I think that was kind of the, the driving reason why this team, they didn't want to spend the capital, the energy, the money on having to replace right tackle, too, as they upgraded elsewhere along the O-line. So he's going to be gone. He knows he's going to be gone. Uh, people have said, well, can you trade him? Well, ask yourself this. How many teams do you think are out there, even though tackle uh, it, 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 it is a commodity, one with experience? How many people are going to want to trade for a guy with one year left on his contract uh, that's worth $8.75 million is what they would inherit uh, as part of that? Uh, Especially if you had no, um, are you? Is there a team out there that would trade for him and turn around and sign him to an extension? Probably not. No. And, and if you did trade for a one-year, eight point seven five million dollars salary, what are you going to give up for it? Yeah, and they know they're going to Pittsburgh's going to cut them. Right, they're not going to pick up the roster bonus. If you're a team, just wait ten seconds. We can become a free agent and sign them that way. So they're not going to trade them. Right, not basically uh, that. That should it would be a shock. I've learned to not talk in absolutes over the years, but uh, I will be highly shocked if if they trade to Komar Core 4. And look, you would have to trade him before March 18th. Who absorbs the roster bonus if they trade him? Does Pittsburgh do that or does the trading team absorb that? Um, uh, if it, if it happens before the maturation date of it, the the the, the new team. The trading team. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, uh, and that's why he won't be on this roster right. on, on March 18th. I just... Because with signing bonuses, the the team that trades eats that, right? That gets accelerated on their cap. Right, right, right. Okay, but r- r- roster bonuses don't because you're more actively, I guess, choosing to pick that up, exercise that roster bonus. Is right, that, how that, that that's is? part of the, the that's part of uh, what you're assuming is part of the okay. contract. Uh, now, if they traded him on March nineteenth, then yeah, then, then, the, then the Steelers eat eat, eat, eat eat that. Okay, gotcha. Just little, little cap one hundred one for my own uh, memory here. One other contract thing, if there's not enough contract news for you guys, one more on Pat Frymuth saying he wants to be a Pittsburgh Steeler for life. And if there is, is one extension that could happen this offseason, it is Pat Frymuth, despite the injuries that led to his worst uh, season from a production standpoint, missing all that time with the hamstring injury, et cetera, um, still could happen. And so what what does that look like, Dave? We've talked about it before. The tight end market's heated up. Could Frymuth bet on himself? Could he get a deal done in the summer? What are you thinking? Uh, here's the thing. Uh, he had an opportunity to make himself a lot of money uh, this season. And uh, injuries and production, uh, he obviously didn't uh, uh, get anywhere close to what he did in his first couple of seasons, right? So, right. Uh, and then there is obviously, be- because of the type of season that he had, because of getting nicked up and all, there's a lot of questions. You obviously had a lot of these guys sign uh, big deals. Uh, Hawkinson signed a deal uh, prior to the season. What, Cole Komet signed mm-hmm. uh, a deal that averaged uh, $12.5 million. There, uh, there's probably going to be some attrition, I would think, in the list overall. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, he's still, people aren't going to like to hear what I'm about to say. He's still probably going to end up in the top 10 highest paid tight ends. So you don't think the down season has impacted this value really much at all? No, I think it has because I think he had the opportunity 
to 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 probably be more in the top five, you okay. know, uh, uh, when it comes to to and it's always about what the list is now, not you know, uh, and, and the escalation of the cap and inflation as opposed to re- really is he equal to these these other guys? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, uh, when you're it getting comes more to that. than the last guy got. That's right. your agent's job to do. Right. So if you uh, if he ends up being a, a top 10 tight end overall, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you're looking at equaling the average yearly value of a Hunter Henry or a Cole Komet, uh, which is twelve point five million dollar average yearly value uh, b- below that. And it'll be interesting to see who's cut and 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 all that. What didn't Tyler Higby just injure his knee in uh in that game the other day? Maybe tore his ACL, yes. All right. Uh he's at uh what is he about twelve or thirteen on this list at eight point five million. Taysom Hill, no way Taysom Hill sticks at his age, but right now his average yearly value is ten million. Uh and he's a weird one as a tight end, right. quarterback, running back. Right. Hybrid. Uh, I think, and once again, I don't think people are going to like to hear this. If you get a deal done with him, this uh, an extension done with him, I think it's anywhere between 10 and $13 million average yearly value. I guess the question is, if you're Frymouth, do you take the deal now where your value is a bit lesser, or do you bet on yourself and have a really strong 2024 and have the season that you had your first two years and try to cash in big that way? Sure. That's why it's got to be enough to make him want to sign. Right. So I I really don't know. He he did come out and say, I want to be, he said all the right political Mm -hmm. things. I want to be a stealer for life, blah, 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 blah. Here's the thing. Uh, He is scheduled to earn is uh i don't how is his trying to think uh with the your escalators in there pumping with up the salary? escalator i don't think he hit the escalator though what did he need to do is it half the snaps or was it a production uh, thing or it, it was, was the pro bowl obviously that bumped that up no i think it was the hold on here proven performance you had said eight. that he missed the escalator whatever right it was. right it, it, it was, was the snap it, count it was thing. a snap count thing yeah, yeah. So okay. he's he's not even going to get a a level one proven performance escalator. What's yeah. going to be his base salary next year? It's his rook, rook, whatever his rookie deal minimum was, right? Uh, right. So? One point four eight two million. Mm-hmm. So his career earnings, you know, uh, uh, the contract value overall from him from his rookie deal was a little over six million dollars. Overall, so and he has obviously hasn't earned all of that yet because there's one point he has earned four point six something million, I think, to this point. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, starting NFL tight end may do you think it may convince him or sway him to let's get a deal done now and put some right. money in my pocket? Right, and yeah. I uh, uh, I think that's why I think that you're looking at him at a new money value deal somewhere between once again, 10 and 12.5 million, I think based on, on what all has happened with him. I think Pittsburgh would be, uh, would want to get a deal done, maybe a little bit on the cheaper too, knowing if he has a great year, he's going to get, you know, paid substantially more. 
the question really just comes down to me. Does it does Frymuth and does his agent, you know, sit there and play some hardball? And if they don't love the number Pittsburgh's offering, they can just sit there and say, we'll wait, we'll have a great season and bounce back next year. And, you know, we'll have uh, some more leverage and some more uh, opportunity to get paid more for, for next offseason. Right, right. But uh, I, I think he wants to be there. I think uh, I think top 10 money would 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 satisfy him uh, based on what he's done so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and you know, people, I know people are jumping out of their skin right now saying he's not worth 10, you know, 10 million. And, and I, and, and I, I get the pushback on that, but I mean, he would be, I mean, could it come in lower than that? I mean, it obviously could. I mean, you got guys like CJ Uzama earning 8 million. Will Disley 8 million, uh, who, uh, n- n- I can't n- see it being less than $10 million. I, I can't either. You know, you just wait. If they were offering you eight or nine, you just wait. Just, right. just wait. The, the right. good news for Fryman that he had a, he had a strong finish to the season. You know, he ended the year on a high note. Had he gotten hurt and missed the last month, that kind of is a sour note to go out on. So at least he kind of he looked like he actually blocked better. He was really intense. His energy was really good. He was obviously trustworthy and sturdy in uh, in, in the passing game. So he ended the year on a really typical Frymuth note. I'll, I will say that the ceiling that I can't, I mean, if he did hit a, a an extreme ceiling, which I don't see that happening, but I'm not going to rule it out, it would be $14 million And people probably driving in. Uh, be careful out there. And, and <laughs> <laughs> don't don't drive off the road here. But I, I want to throw out kind of an extreme. Mark Andrews uh, uh, contracts $14 million average yearly value. And he's like... One, two, three, four, five, six on six on the list. So uh, I, I would throw that out there as an extreme uh, uh, value for 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 Pat Frymuth. I would expect this to come in somewhere between ten to twelve and a half million. Um, who is who are the highest? Who is that top five of tight ends in football? Is it Kittle, Kelsey, Hawkinson? Who are the top five? Well, remember tight Waller. Ends? Waller. 17 oh, Darren million. Waller. Yeah, seventeen million for Waller, and he's thirty-two. Now, look, there's a you. Let's look at his contract real quick here. When it comes to Waller, uh, I mean that they, they wouldn't be crushed. I don't think uh, if they if they had to part ways with him, that they could save a little bit of cap money there. It, it's probably unlikely that it would happen. But I mean, I I don't think you could completely rule out the possibility of him being cut or, you know. Yeah. I mean, that was a, it's a bad contract that the giants assumed for reasons that were not entirely clear. Uh, I, I was just curious who the top five were just because I was thinking about just who, who those names are. Uh, Waller at 17 million Hawkinson at 16 and a half million, George Kittle at 15 million, Kelsey at 14.3 set through three, one million and Dallas Goddard at, uh, mm. 14.25. Goddard could come off that list potentially. Yeah. And he got hurt in that game. I don't know what the extent of that knee injury is. I, I think maybe he avoided a serious one. Anyway, I'm not saying Frymouth will get that much. I was just curious of who the top five tight ends were because I had not checked out that list in a little bit. Right. I would, once again, I'd look for this somewhere between 10 and 12 and a half million. All right. So that is your salary. I hope you guys love the salary cap because we got a salary cap uh, show today. Uh, from a tape standpoint, I have not had the time to go into the all 22 uh, in depth. I've been going through my charting and some articles and things like that. So you, you probably watched a bit more than I have, Dave. Um, we'll talk about it more Friday, but any uh, new impressions, new thoughts watching the all 22 of the Steelers Bills game? Uh, I think first and foremost, the way the Steelers treated uh, uh, Josh Allen 
uh, when it came to the defensive side of the football, they blitzed Josh Allen uh, a lot in this game, and they paid for it. Yeah, I, I was gonna, one of the first things when I'm uh, truly done with my charting is to see how Allen fared against the blitz. I'm going to guess the numbers were pretty pretty strong, uh, and, and they blitzed him last year, and he, he handled the blitz well. And Pittsburgh, I mean, they didn't they they weren't probably as aggressive as last year and they had some more safe pressures, but yeah, the right. blitz did not work against Josh. Allen. Right. You know, between safe pressures and flat out numbers and all like that, they, they, they tried to get after him in this game and it did not work out uh, well at all. A couple of touchdowns, I think against the uh, uh, two passing touchdowns. In fact, against a uh, 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 heavy, you know, uh, blitz pressure mm-hmm. type situations, uh, the 52 his, yard, yeah, yeah, his run. Uh, the 52 yard scramble, uh, against like a six man pressure that they didn't handle that well either and open up the, uh, uh, the escape lane. So I think when you, when you talk, uh, at least initial observations, uh, from, from, from the tape, it was from a pressure and, and a statistical standpoint, uh, they tried to get after him and it didn't, didn't work out. He, 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 uh, he, Josh Allen was fantastic in this game period. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was all the good of Josh Allen with none of the bad. And when right. he's on his game and not making any mistakes, good luck beating that guy. Right, and especially with the conditions not being as adverse and windy. I mean, his ball already was going to be able to cut through uh, the wind pretty good as it was. But, I mean, he was able to drill him down the middle of the field uh, uh, quite, you know, uh, easily there. Uh, and and if when he's on his game the way he was on his game, the way you beat Josh Allen is you outscore him. <laughs> yeah, you need a Mahomes, uh, you need some right. quarterback on the other sideline. Uh offensively with the Steelers, they probably uh the Bills came out knowing that the Steelers were going to try to run the football. And they did every effort to kind of, I think, kind of stack the boxes in those situations. Uh the Steelers did not uh there was probably a little bit more 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 man situations that the Steelers uh should have tried to attack down the field and they didn't. Uh, I mean, how many balls do you remember that were actually pushed down the football field? Um, I mean, I think Tom made a comment that they were making Pittsburgh throw vertically more than they wanted to. Right. I don't know if I got that impression really watching the game, but I really hadn't gone back through the tape to evaluate that as, as fully. And when you when you fall down twenty one nothing as it is, it's already going to take you out of some elements of of, of your mm-hmm. game, and then it's going to change what the defense does, uh, trying to keep the lid on things a little bit more. And did this, uh, and and I I've spent less time. I wanted to see look at mostly spend time in there looking at the the big plays and the touchdowns and all like that. Uh, blown coverage, obviously, on the first touchdown, the miscommunication between who was it, Roberts. And Peterson, right? Yeah, I, I couldn't tell what went wrong. I mean, Roberts was in the flat, and Peterson was in the flat. Was Roberts supposed to? Was Roberts supposed to carry that vertically? Like, because he had the breakup later in the game. Was I that think kind of the I, fix of that. Well, just judging by Patrick Peterson's reaction, uh, he was expecting, I think, Roberts to carry. Yeah. So. Remember I, that touchdown a couple of years ago against the Bills uh, uh, with the corner out going the other way? A similar mm-hmm. concept there where Edmonds and uh, Mark Barron <laughs> were looking at each other. <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw that clip you, you tweeted out last night. Uh, they basically got caught in the same thing there of, of who's going to do what uh, in, 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 in that situation uh, there. So uh, whatever happened, whoever was wrong, it was wrong. 
Oh, yeah. No, that was clear. Yeah, and Pittsburgh, I mentioned this before, even before this Bills game, that Pittsburgh had been blowing a couple of coverages against uh, Seattle and Baltimore. And, you know, when it's Geno's was a good quarterback, but whenever it's him and Tyler Huntley, those guys may not take advantage of it the way that Josh Allen, just a better quarterback, is going to be able to. My, my, my main takeaway without really watching the tape is, just to kind of sum up this game, Pittsburgh did not have a successful run until it was 14 nothing. They went right. their first five runs unsuccessful. They had a nine yard run end of the first quarter. So when you don't when you don't run the ball once successfully until you're you're behind fourteen points, you've dug yourself a, a nasty hole that you have to dig out up the rest of the way. Right, and you can't make mistakes, and you can't go down there. And 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 when you have the opportunity to draw uh, within within seven and and throw an interception in the end zone there, and then once again, as we talked about uh, the other day, in a matter of what was it. Uh, uh, three minutes and 45 seconds of actual game game clock time. Uh, you go from throwing that interception to Josh Allen running 52 yards down the field. You know, uh, that was quite a flip uh, in the game when you're already down 14, uh, nothing at the time there. Uh, the second touchdown that we kind of talked about when you look at the all 22 on that uh, divide, a divide concept, right? Uh, where, you put uh, really essentially Minka Fitzpatrick in conflict there. Yeah, I was trying to see where the miscommunication might have been because Miles Jackson after the game there was miscommunication, but I can't tell. What I don't it was know supposed to look like. Yeah, I don't. Uh, just on ba- uh, without having more details on it and looking at the route concepts and all. Uh, I mean, it it, 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 it looks it, right. Yeah, it looks right. Uh, it I, just it looks like you got beat with scheme. I, unless Jack thought they were in a different coverage and maybe he got wires crossed about, he thought they unless were in he thought the maybe a cover, cover three, right? Yeah. Cover three where you have a middle of the field help, you know? Right. But I mean, it looked like it was executed. I mean, cause if it's cover two, if Jack knew it was cover two, he'd be carrying that seam defender harder than what he was. He'd be running right. that low hip kind of trail position or even maybe even being in a more hip tip relationship. So I think what the issue was, just guessing, because Jack did not expand on it, but I think he thought they were in a different coverage than what Pittsburgh actually ran. All right, and and that could potentially be. But uh, if they were in a, 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 a true true cover two type situation, then then uh, that's a scheme beater that put uh, Minka in heavy conflict in that situation uh, because you had a, a corner uh, who is it? Shakir. Yeah, Shakir. Uh, running uh, that, that I think that that corner and that that conflicted uh, Minka in that situation there, and then if Miles is going to uh, carry that like a you know Tampa two uh, type situation, he even if he's running all out, I don't know if he gets there because Josh Allen put that ball right where only his guy was going to catch it. Uh, uh, type uh, you know. Maybe you do interrupt that. I don't know uh, if he if he's going all out on the on the carry there. But going back and look at it, I mean, and Josh Allen talked about that play after the game. It was a sudden sudden change situation. Uh, you know, where where they wanted to try to go 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 for the dagger there, and they got the look that they wanted. And to to me, until I hear more, I I, I call it a scheme beater. Yeah, I'm with you too, Dave. Uh, I think it was just a good call. They wanted the kill shot was what Allen said, and, and they certainly accomplished that. The tackling, really bad on the uh, Shakir touchdown, even on the Deontay Hardy long catch and run. Oh, just awful yeah. tackling on that one. People kind of forget about that play, 34-yard game with a ton of yak afterwards. Just thought tackling, angles, uh, rallying to the football defensively, just not not where it needed to be. 
Right. And offensively, they just, I mean, they, there were a few bright spots where it came to the run game. But uh, once again, you get to the second half of that game and you're down like you, it's going to take you out, out of, you know, look, second second and nine runs in this game is a choice. <laughs> <laughs> and they did that a few times. But uh, it would have been interesting to see the complexion of the game. Maybe how it would have went if you. A, if you if you don't fumble the football early with with George Pickens, I mean these are a lot of ifs that you could rubber stamp to every sure. game, you know. But if you if you don't turn the football over early like that, and then if you don't turn the football over uh, uh, when you're driving back down to get within seven, uh, how does that change the complexion of it? But it's a lot of you know, don't, yeah. If you don't want to talk about the ifs, don't don't produce the ifs by turning the football over, but they, uh, they got in a big hole. They just can't warm up to a playoff game against the potent offense. If you're playing against some you know regular season team with a middling offense, you can take some time to maybe warm up and get away with that. But when you're facing Mahomes and Allen and these high powered offenses that can put up points, you can't, you can't take a quarter to figure things out. You know, right. you're just going to put yourself behind again. The stat I was thinking, I was sitting on it last night. I know I said it on the podcast and tweeted it out. You know when it is happening live, but sixty-six to nothing in the first quarter of their last five playoff games, Pittsburgh's been outscored by sixty-six to nothing. I mean, you just can't warm up in the playoffs in this day and age, dude, and just expect to be down fourteen nothing against Mahomes or Allen. And yeah, they're great quarterbacks, but guess what? You're going to face great quarterbacks in the playoffs. These guys aren't going anywhere. You're going to have to beat some tough quarterbacks to go to a Super Bowl. That's just how it's going to be. And Pittsburgh is just playing uncompetitive football for the first 20 minutes of every playoff game. And then once again, even if you are not making those kind of mistakes early in the game, like the Pickens fumble and and and, and the Mason Rudolph uh, 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 interception, you're still in for a long day where you're going to have to problem because once again, I, Josh Allen was fantastic. There's there's no two ways about it. Uh, with 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 the lack of speed and and and. You know the weather not being as harsh and and uh, things of that nature. There, not having a guy like T.J. Watt in this game, uh, you you were go- you were going to be behind the eight ball anyway. You're probably going to have to score a lot of points uh, in 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 this game. So that's another factor of it. And look, I mean, make you know you want to talk about the ifs. What if they don't block that field goal, field goal uh, and and get the ball in a plus situation in that i mean you're talking 24 nothing at that point and how what is how does that change the complexion of the game and all like that so schematically i think when we get into this thing i i I obviously and you will as well too starting tonight and but by the time friday rolls around uh we'll we'll have dug deeper into the all 22 but i don't think there's going to be earth shattering things other than maybe offensively they could have done more to push the football down the field yeah, we'll look at it. We'll have some more commentary for Friday. Um, one piece of news coming in here right now. The Browns have fired or parted ways with uh, Alex Van Pelt, who was technically the Browns OC, although Kevin's a fancy called the place there. Van Pelt uh, was drafted by the Steelers. Pitt native uh, grew up around here. I imagine his name will be in uh, some sort of commentary for Pittsburgh's OC consideration. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprising. And uh, look, I mean, it, it it speaks volumes of what, I, what they – uh, were able to do it, old man Joe, you know? Yeah, I mean, the reason why they persevered was through a lot of scheme. Now, Flacco played really well, but not even just losing the quarterbacks, but they're, they, they lost two or three offensive tackles. They lost Nick Chubb. They had a ton of injuries offensively beyond the quarterback position. 
And they really could not run the ball as soon as Chubb went down and their offense still was productive and they still had a good scheme. So, um, you know, Van Pelt, I imagine, will be a name who will be floated, at least, if not interviewed uh, for Pittsburgh. Why do you think they go? That's a bit to me. That's a bit surprising because of what what Van Pelt, because of all the things that you said. Yeah, I don't know they're cleaning house. They fired a couple of other, uh, other assistants as well. Their running back coach, their tight end coach. And so I don't know what's happening there. I don't follow things enough. It is a bit curious. Um, I don't have a good reason for why they would make that move. Because the problems that they did have when Flacco took over in those games were Flacco mistakes, in my opinion. Because remember, I said going into that game, even though I picked, uh, 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 I, I think, Cleveland, uh, in that game I, 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 against Houston, I said uh, Flacco's had some ugly, ugly mm-hmm. interceptions, uh, you know, from from the time that he took over as the starter there. Now, on the flip side, Flacco has made some some great plays, especially play action and scheme uh, related where guys were wide ass open, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that kind of thing there. So it, it, I, I'm, it's, it's a bit curious to hear him being out. Yeah, I don't know if there's just some sort of philosophical difference. They just didn't work well together, Stefanski and Van Pelt. I, I don't know, uh, but he was Van Pelt on my list of when they first fired Canada of like guys that have ties to Pittsburgh list of OC names. So we, we've mentioned him before. We'll probably be talking about him again at some point soon. All right. What else you got for us? I think that's everything on my end, Dave. Anything else you want to talk about? If not, we can get to some reader emails and close out today's show. All right, let's uh, do that. Uh, let's see here. Kane, 22, with all the hotels that need to be filled. Uh, oh, holes, not hotels. Holes that need to be filled on this team. Why wouldn't trading Tomlin be on the table since everything everyone else thinks so highly of him? They should give up uh, their first three draft picks the first three picks of the draft to get them. That would give us six picks in the first three rounds, two for the O-line, two for the D-line, blah, blah, blah. They seemed, they seem doomed to be one and out team. If they don't get more top players, uh, Kane, I mean, look, there, we, we could get into hypotheticals at this point till the cows come home and say, why wouldn't they do that? Do that. I mean, I don't know what good that does us at this point. I mean, Tomlin's coming back in 2024, and I mean, we we could hypothetical this to death, brother. I would say you don't trade your head coach to fill holes in your roster. That's not really a productive thing, a thing that teams do. You fill your, you improve your roster through other trade, trading players, drafting, free agency. You don't go trade head coaches to fill roster spots. All right, uh, Cameron. Andrews writes in, hey, David Knox, now that the season is over, it's drafted free agency time. Where do you rank the need for a cornerback this offseason? Where do you think the team stands with Trice and Rush? Uh, besides the Tennessee game, I don't think I've seen Rush much, he says. I remember Trice had some health issues coming out of college. I think we need to adjust uh, inside linebacker or Maybe he means address or D line early in the draft. If we wanted to go defense, he says offense, either center or right tackle. I wouldn't want us uh, in, uh, to have to use an early pick on wide receiver or honestly any pick at all. He says, just my opinion. What do y'all think? Uh, first and foremost, uh, Cameron, I think when it comes to trice and rush, these are developmental options. 
when it comes. I don't think you can. And you're right that Rush Rush was active for like two or three games, if, mm-hmm. uh, and really only saw action in that Tennessee game, uh, if if I remember correctly. And that was even Summit kind of safety, wasn't it? Yeah, it was dime stuff at the end of the game. Dropped that pick that um, who had the, the game stealing pick in that one? Casey Alexander Alexander. Quan seal that one. Um, either way, Rush dropped the pick there, but that was the game that he saw really his only defensive snaps, at least heavy and, defensive snaps. And Trice, you've got the you you got the uh, got the tools there, but you do have the health question, and he obviously didn't play uh, this past year. So I think you look at Trice and Rush as guys that you hope that you get something out of. Uh, I don't, but within that, I. I, I Long story short, Cameron, I I will say this. I don't think you're going to see a first-round draft pick spent on a cornerback. You don't? No. Just any particular reason? I just don't think the way this thing sets up with other needs, I don't think, and and where they pick, I don't, I personally, I don't think that's from this far out, and we just started (laughs) started this thing. Uh, My initial reaction is it will not be cornerback. Okay. I mean, it may not be. There's other needs, but I'm not taking off the table you, right now. I think I think you could see this team address the cornerback position. Sure. Uh, but I, I, I don't think it'll be a first-round selection. What's going to happen with Pat Pete, Alex? I think he's back. Okay. You're, are you lush? I mean, we, we've talked about the mm-hmm. pros and cons and the cost uh, uh, nature of it and all like that. Uh, uh, I, th- I think it could happen. Yeah. But e- even if it does happen, you do have to wonder about the rest of the depth chart. Yeah. Well, they needed a, a number two outside corner. Peterson cannot play outside corner next year. Dude, the speed is just gone. He's got a, his role has to be nickel safety, kind of a roamer, some, something he may, he may not even be an every down player next year. I don't know, but they need someone opposite of Porter because there's nothing there. I'll put it to you this way. I think they draft a cornerback. I do not think they draft a cornerback with their first pick. That's where I'm at right now. Fair enough. On, on Trice and Rush, um, they're, they're intriguing players, talented players, but you just don't know a ton about them, especially Trice because he got hurt way back in August before a preseason game. Or um, Yeah, Trice. So uh, you're not banking on them. You're not saying we're good because we have Rush and Trice, but they're intriguing guys that could hopefully, hopefully one of them makes a push and really emerges in, in camp next year or the, I, later this year. As far as his other suggestions here, I think they need to address the inside linebacker position in this draft early rather than later. I think they need to address defensive line uh, as well uh, early rather than later. And by early, I, I'm meaning fourth round or earlier at both these positions. Okay. Uh, you obviously could use a center. <laughs> right mm, mm, uh, to say that, the least. that might be a first or second round pick there at 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 at, at worst maybe a third round pick there uh a tackle they could use a tackle if they don't get one in free agency and they will shoehorn in a wide receiver in this draft somewhere somehow maybe even two well, they need a slot receiver. They have gotten so little slot production from a receiving standpoint the last two years. I know Robinson had had a role in value as a mentor, as a blocker, the insert blocks, the crack blocks. I'm not mad at Robinson. He did what he was brought here to do. But combined between kind of your two primary quote-unquote slot receivers 
in Robinson and Calvin Austin, you had what 51 catches for 480 yards and one touchdown. Uh, and then last year, you know, you had Claypool and uh, Gunner and Steven Sims, and they gave you basically nothing. So you had a black hole at that, that slot receiver spot for, I think two seasons, they got to have an upgrade there. All right. Let's instead of looking at, cause the list is longer of positions they might draft. What positions are they most likely not to draft? Running back? In, term, in terms of a high pick, you're saying? Like well, a, I'm talking about... Two pick? Because day I'm, three can just be what the board... Okay. All right. Know, uh, let's, let's take first four rounds. Okay. Yeah, they're running not, back, no. Running back, no. Tight end, probably not. No. Uh, guard, probably not. Yeah, not going to be a guard. Uh, outside Let, linebacker? Unless the guard can be like a center swing guy, fourth round type thing. Outside linebacker, no. yeah, no. Uh, List, I think, is over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we'll see, obviously, what the quarter, we'll see what, if we get a better feel for the quarterback, what they're going to do at quarterback here in the next couple of days or weeks right. or months or what. I'm not expecting a quarterback, but. I'm not going to, I'm not ready to say no the way that I am for running back in the positions we just named off. But I mean, nobody's mock drafts at this point should include in the first four rounds, a running back, a guard, an outside linebacker or a tight end. Right. I don't think a lot of them probably do at this point. And I mean, they won't draft a free safety, but a strong safety is certainly a possibility. Right. At some point. Right. Yeah, because there's still some question marks there. All right, let's move on to another question here. Uh, Jeff Berg, uh, did you notice Jalen Warren possibly being injured in Monday's playoff game? Yeah, he was kind of tugging at his chest or something. I don't know if a rib or or something like that. Uh, he says at some point in the first half, I believe he came up from a tackle holding his rib area. And from that point on, I noticed him doing the same thing after other tackles. And then he'd run off the field looking to be in pain. May have affected his effectiveness throughout the game. Yeah, look, it... it uh, I don't think it's serious enough where it's going to sideline him for, you know, off season and all like that. But uh, I, I, I didn't notice that it looked like he got a little banged up in that game. Yeah, I know on, it was late in the game. So I know this happened earlier, but that uh, fourth quarter, third down tackle, he got up pretty slow on when Klein fell on top of him on that third and three uh, catch the left side. So yeah, he may have hurt himself, but he spoke with the media. Um, he's obviously got some time to rest up now. All right, David Chicago writes in, first off, thanks for another great season of the Terrible Podcast. Looking forward to the pre-draft analysis pods in the near future. Here's a hypothetical for you. Imagine that Tomlin was dismissed after the Jacksonville playoff debacle, as many included myself wanted. The replacement goes 57-40-2 and and 0-3 with three bad losses in the playoffs. Would Steeler Nation and the national media be calling for this coach's head and dunking on Tomlin detractors at the same time? That's exactly what the Steelers have done the last six seasons. Worse still, two of the three playoff appearances were made possible because the NFL expanded the playoff field to seven teams. I just don't see a way out of this cycle, especially if the job is handed to Pickett next summer, as I expect it will be. It will be, he says. Uh, Look, you can get into the hypotheticals of, you know, had you 
let Tomlin go and the replacement went exactly that number and 0-3 in the playoffs and would it be calling for his head? Look, there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that uh, are not happy that Mike Tomlin's going to be back. I get it. But uh, I mean, the reality of the situation is Mike Tomlin's back. I mean, I, I you know, uh, look, you can the here's where it boils down to, in my opinion. We talked about this the other day. You, you, I went into the season thinking that this team should make the playoffs, win a playoff game, and then we're potentially talking about, hey, the Super Bowl window's open. Uh, now you made the playoffs. You did not win a. Uh, you did not win a playoff game. You got questions about your quarterback position. You got questions about your offensive coaching staff. Uh, at least you know who your head coach is going to be. But there, you know, is the Super Bowl window open right now? No. Are you guaranteed are you guaranteed to make the playoffs and win a playoff game next season? The answer is no. No. No, I, I just struggle to see where the, the longer term vision to get this team to be a Super Bowl contender is just based on the current. I mean, there are talent there, there's talent on this team, but it just goes back to quarterback and can you can you compete? Do you have the guys? And if you think Pickett's your guy, why do you feel so strongly he can compete? Like, that's my, that's my question. You know, if you're Mike Tomlin and if they are committed to pick it, and we don't know that yet, but the reporting has been trending that way. But if they are committed to pick it for 2024, the question is, what have you seen from him that can suggest to you he can compete with the Joe Burrows and Lamar Jacksons and Josh Allens, et cetera, Mahomes of the world? What are you seeing that, that tells you he could be at least a top 10 quarterback in this league? Right. Agreed. Uh, look, if you want to talk, if you want to focus on one huge positive to come out of this season, 2023, it's the fact that uh, the rookie class. Yeah, that's been really good, uh, encouraging, and hopefully those guys really take that that sophomore leap they talk about. It, and, and with Pickett, just briefly, because I know the pushback for Pickett is, well, he's had, he's been dealt a bad hand, he's had a crap OC and this and that, and I get that, and there's validity to that, but the answer to the question of, why do you think Kenny Pickett can be a top 10 quarterback? Can't be, here's what he's not had. You know, it can't right. be a, a, the absence of something or the lack of something that there has to be actual tangible reasons that you think he can be it beyond just, well, he's, he hasn't had X or Y or Z. So I, I don't think you can, you can answer the question that way. Right. I, I, that's a great point. I think you need to focus on what has he done that lead, what has he shown you that leads you to believe that with yeah. good, with, 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 a, a different offensive scheme and, and, and coach, he can, he can be something. And we, you know, out once again, outside of some late, late game uh, uh, drives or whatnot, that, that that's all we can hang our hat on right now when it comes to him. Right. Um, he's had his moments. Sure. in those big, big clutch situations, but just to, cause you need to be at least a top 10 quarterback. You don't have to be the top quarterback in football or top three. I get, I'm, I'm good with that. You be top 10 and really compete and push hard with a good roster around you and a bit of good health and good luck. But you got to be around top ten, and and he's not there, of course, and he's not even trending or tracking that way. So again, the absence of evidence cannot be the evidence of why Kenny Pickett can be a top ten quarterback. Boy, put that one on a bumper sticker and sell it. Oh yeah. All right, uh, we've run uh, per usual hour forty five minutes or so. Uh, got through some questions here. Had pretty good discussion. Anything uh, you'd like to leave the folks with? No. Nope, for, we'll for, for, for Friday, what's going to happen Friday? Well, it depends what happens to Mike Tomlin, maybe on Thursday if he speaks. And of course, Friday will be a busy show. If Tomlin does speak on Friday, then we'll uh, wait until he speaks to do the podcast. So if things come out later on Friday, that'll be why. But if not, then we'll come back and talk about the uh, all 22 of this game and whatever else 
we'd be happening around the NFL, make our picks there for the divisional weekend. So we'll come back on Friday. All right. Sounds good. You can follow me on Twitter slash X at Steelers Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate uh, to the uh, cause, SteelersDepot.com. Hit the donate button. Also, if you'd like an ad free version of the site, SteelersDepot.com. Hit the uh, ad free button. Uh, enjoyed it today. We will be back on Friday. And as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.